If you take the Word of God with me and turn back to Philippians chapter number 3, and we'll just look at that text that was read earlier. earlier. And if you'd look in verse 7, there's an interesting verse. It says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And then verse 8 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And as we look at this passage this evening, Paul is writing back to the Philippian church, and he is very burdened for them. And he, he wants them to know some of the own things about his own life and whenever he came to Christ. But he was adding up as a merchant would numerous things that he thought was added to his account. And he thought his account was quite large. And he thought all of these things that, that he had to offer were, 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 were adding up. And he had such a big total in some when in reality all those things that were gained to him he counted but loss that he might win Christ. And that he might have the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, his Lord. And he said, but he said, my Lord. All of those things that he was putting his stock in and trusting in, he, he, he flushed them down the drain that he might win Christ. He, that he might be found in Christ Jesus. And I do hope and pray at the onset of this sermon this evening that if you don't know if you're found in Christ Jesus, that you would think about something very seriously this evening, whether you be in Christ or whether you be found outside of Christ. Paul, he writes to us a little bit about being found in Christ. He had to give up some things to be found in Christ. And many, many things from his childhood even. And I want you to notice here in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3, and we'll, look, we'll read verse 1 and 2 once again. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers and beware of the concision. He, at the onset, he says, he's, he says, rejoice in the Lord. He writes to this Philippian church. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Can I say this? May we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. Just to know that we have Christ Jesus is a reason to rejoice. Many people are rejoicing today in all sorts of things, but they, they might not even know the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. But he says to, to those that he had already gone to, and he says, rejoice in the Lord. Tonight I can encourage us all to do one thing. Let us rejoice in Christ Jesus more than we have. More than we have been doing. And he says to them, rejoice in the Lord. But then it switches from such a tender, loving address to something very sharp in a rebuke. It says in verse 2, beware of dogs. Beware of the evil workers and beware of the concision. Paul writes to the Philippian church once he hears of something very trouble, troubling to him. He writes to them, he's heard word that there are those false teachers who have crept in, who are trying to teach, denying that Christ is all sufficient for salvation. That They are saying, they've crept in, they're saying that we must indeed confess Christ as Lord, but then we must also add the circumcision, the Judaizers would follow that course, especially. And they would say, we, we add this circumcision, this outward uh, physical act that they would do that would give, bring them some sort of spiritual truth, some sort of, of spiritual awareness by this, by this outward 
uh, act that they would perform. And he seeks, he says, he says, beware of dogs. He calls them what they, as Jews, would have called Gentiles. They would, the Jews would have called the Gentiles dogs. And it wouldn't have been like your pet at home, the dog that you have, that you love so dear. He's saying, beware of dogs that would seek to come in and scrounge and, and divide and bring a false hope of, of, of salvation. And he says, beware of these people. And he, re, and he gives a sharp rebuke. Some people have even said they didn't even think that this was a part of the same letter as he switches so, so, so quickly from saying, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord and then beware of dogs. But he's giving them a warning you know, today we have many, there's many a preacher that loves to comfort a congregation. We hear so many nice messages of how, how people want to be petted, and, and, and it's so nice to hear a message that comforts us. But you know what moves the sinner that's outside of Christ more than anything is a bit of a sharp rebuke. And he's seeking to make sure these men stay in Christ Jesus, and he, he gives them a rebuke. He's, in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 10, we read about Isaiah warning of false teachers and how they would seek to just comfort people. Look here in Isaiah 56 and verse 10. You don't have to turn there, but just listen with your ears and your heart. It says, His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, and loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. And they all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain from his quarter. There's, there's, Isaiah here is, is giving a bit of some sharp rebukes about false teachers. Those, beware of those that would just seek to comfort you, that seek to, to speak to you just for their own gain. He says they are dumb dogs here in this text. And there are many a false teacher today that are nothing less and nothing more than dumb dogs. They would try to pull you away from the simplicity that is found in Christ Jesus. Beware of these, these men. Beware of those that would try to add belief and confessing in the Lord Jesus Christ and something else. Tonight, if you're either found in Christ Jesus or you're found outside of Christ Jesus. And I would say this, beware of those that would just seek to comfort you. Just seek to make you feel good from a message. There are many people... That, that, that would just seek to make you feel good this evening, but those just attempting to make comfort you rather than giving the truth of the Word of God is not what we have need of today. People that would draw you away with vain jangling and nice and kind words. We need the truth of God's Word, do we not? These men, he describes them as they couldn't even give warning. They, couldn't, they were as dumb dogs because they were lying asleep. They, 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 they were loving their slumber. They couldn't even bark. Have you ever uh, had a dog at your home or come up to someone else's home and the dog starts going flat out mad? You ever heard that? And you think, oh dear, somebody has ticked him. Well, he's heard, he's heard you come up. And a good shepherd dog, a good watchdog, he barks like crazy, doesn't he? At the, at, just at the very sign of danger or the sign of someone's presence coming in unawares. He starts, and I'm not going to give you a rendition, but it, and I don't even think it's like a, coon, a hound dog on a coon trail where he gives out a big bellow. It's more of like, I'm going, to, I'm going to run you clear out of here. Hey, that is how some, we as ministers and as people of the Word of God sometimes need to be. We need to bark a little, to give warning to those that think that they're okay 
that they're all right, that, that many people are, are, are lulled to sleep by many a comforting message. But tonight, I don't wish to comfort the sinner one, one bit at all. I don't wish, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope that you're not comforted one little bit and that you couldn't go out of the chapel doors without crying to the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. For He alone can save and none other can save. And Paul is writing and he gives a bit of a warning. But wouldn't, it rather, wouldn't you rather have that? Wouldn't you rather have someone give you the truth than someone to say to you nice and kind things and they really wouldn't be true? And I, I, we see here, Paul, he, gives the, he says, beware, beware, beware. I'd rather someone give me warning. I'd rather have someone give me a warning on the contrary, the warning of a father's affection for his son. When if my son was in trouble, I would, and he was about to touch maybe the hot stove as a little, as a little one-year-old, I wouldn't just say, now son, I think you should watch that hot oven and be very comfortable about how I'd say, don't touch the oven, son. I'd say, don't touch it. Don't do that. I'd say, oh, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. I'd give him a warning and I'd probably give him a pretty sharp warning. I'd give the same warning tonight for those who don't know the Savior, who've never looked upon the Lord Jesus Christ for their soul's salvation, for forgiveness of sin. Oh, I give you warning. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved, is what the Scriptures say. And at the onset, Paul is, you know what he's doing? He, he would go around on missionary journeys to each of these churches, and he would preach a pure gospel. He would preach a gospel that, that you must be found in Christ, in Christ alone. And do you know what people would do on his missionary, journey, missionary journeys? They would go right behind him, and they would seek to undo everything that he had just done. Now, that'd be, that'd be a bit of a difficult thing if we got word back, Pastor Warren's going around in Africa. And he's preaching a good word and people are coming to Christ. And then to hear someone come right along behind them and say, well, wait a minute. It's not just Christ alone, don't you know? It's Christ plus you have to keep the law and, and, and every single point. And circumcision is a part of that. And if you're not keeping up with all of these things, then, then, you're, not, then you're not really complete in Christ. That would make you a bit angry, would it not? I, I bet you Pastor Moreland would turn to them and he would give them a bit of a rebuke. And say, get out of here, you dog. And, that's, and, and uh, that's, what, that's what it says. And this, that's what Paul is doing. But there was three bewares. And then there's three things to answer the bewares. Beware, beware, beware. Beware of the... It says beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Oh, there is a need today for workers in the church. But let me just say this. There is some workers in the church of God that would seek to bring harm and damage to, to, to the church of God. There are those that, that do, you wouldn't think it, but they're actually in the church and they seek to draw people to just to some sort of view that they would have and they seek to do damage. And you say, how do you, how do you pick those ones out? How do you do that? It's quite simple. Those that are seeking to draw attention from the simplicity that's found in Christ Jesus are those very same evil workers. If they're saying it's Christ and then this and this, watch out. Beware of those people. Beware. And these ministers that Isaiah said, they, he said they were blind. He said they were ignorant. He said they were dumb dogs who cannot... He said they can't even bark properly because they're asleep. And that would be the very same thing as a minister who would not preach the whole counsel of God. As a minister who's asleep. And he cannot, he cannot speak as, with a voice that wakes the dead because he's, he himself is asleep and he's just desiring to do it to receive gain. And I've belabored this point long enough, but as we move on to this text, 
Let us give warning about these evil workers, people who are right inside the church, wicked laborers, malicious toilers, deceitful workers that seek to draw attention away from Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. Let no, let no one draw you away from Christ and nothing draw you away from Jesus Christ. For in Him alone is our salvation found. He is the captain. He is the author of eternal salvation. And he's bought and paid, and, he, and for rightly so, because he's bought and paid for it with his own blood. No other, no, no other is worthy to be the author of it. No other has laid down his life and shed his blood for you and for me. And here he, he, he gives warning. And then he gives one more warning about this, this, this folk that are of the concision, which he slurs the word. He doesn't say of the circumcision, because that's what the Judaizers would have been of, but he says of the concision. Those that that seek to, to, to legalize and, and these Judaizers seek to bring Christians under the law once again and to say, it's not just by, by faith alone in Christ alone. It's other things now. If you're to be fully brought to salvation, it's going to be Christ at the start and to carry it on through, there'll be other things. That's, that is, that's wrong. That is not how we obtain eternal salvation. If you're, it's not like, I'll give you an illustration. Conversion is not like this. To where education, you start off in the, in the lower grades and you work up to the senior grades and all the while you're gaining more knowledge. That, that, that is not how conversion takes place. Conversion would be more like this. In the dead of winter, and as it's just breaking forth into spring, there, every, there's nothing, there's no foliage, nothing on the branches. Everything is dead. There's such a deadness as you look around to the trees and, and other than a little bit of uh, uh, snow or ice that comes on, the, on there, the frost rather, there's nothing really beautiful about it. And that's the same way there, that people are that do not know Christ. There is no, there is, you know there's no good thing in us. There is, n- there is no good thing in and of ourselves. No right- our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Word of God says in Isaiah. There is no good thing with, that dwells within us. But... The Lord Jesus Christ, if, if He dwells within us, He, he is good. He, he, he has done no wrong. And He says here, be, beware of the concision, warning against those wanting to put Christians under the law once again. These that thought it was Christ plus other things. The keeping of the law to complete salvation with special emphasis on the circumcision. And then He says this, we are, the, look in verse 4, we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Here he, he, we, we see how you combat these three bewares, these warnings. You, you rejoice in Christ Jesus. You worship in spirit. Oh, we worship. What does that worship? It means to worship from the heart. You know how we worship God today as we meet together? We worship Him from our hearts. Oh, we meet collectively. But we worship Him from, in, 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 in our spirit. From the heart, we worship God. And there are many today that just worship God with outward things. They, they do this formality and this ceremonial rite and this. And they believe that is worshiping God. But he says, you that are of the, the true circumcision, worship God from the heart. And we see that he, he writes the very same thing to, to the Galatians. If you look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 16, I believe this gives insight on this, this true circumcision. Those really who are truly found in Christ is what he's meaning. And in Galatians 
chapter 6, he proves this point. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 16, if you'd look there with me, it says this, And as many, in verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, that's pretty strong words, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Yea, if, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All, behold, all things are become new. He says here, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth for it. It availeth for nothing. It, it availeth for absolutely nothing. But then he says here, Availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. A changed heart. A new life found in Christ. That is conversion. And a new life that is found in Jesus Christ. Not, not as the old life that you once had, but a new life in Christ Jesus. And if you look back in Philippians chapter 3, we just see that that's what he's talking about here in verse 4. Though I, my, it says in verse 3, We are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Those who are of the true circumcision are those who are truly found in Jesus Christ, that are, who, who have truly accepted Christ Jesus. And... Um, we see that one, one of the ways to combat that is to worship Him in spirit. You can't worship God in spirit if you don't have the Spirit of God living with inside of you. You say, I don't understand what that means. Then maybe He has not come to live inside of you yet. But He did send the Comforter that would, that, that, that would comfort us and lead us into all truth. And it's the Word of God talks about when someone accepts Christ, they become a new creature and the Spirit of God moves in and changes that person. And they're a new creation. And one way to combat this Concision is to glory in Christ Jesus. You know, if we'll boast in Christ, that'll keep us on the, on the straight and narrow. If we'll exalt Christ, if we will be minded only to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, that will help. That will, if we will just boast in Him and have no confidence in the flesh. It says here, those that will boast in the Lord Jesus Christ, that will glory in Christ, those truly saved make their boast in Christ as their only Savior and nothing else. If you've come to Jesus Christ, you can then say on the other side, you'll say, I have nothing to offer, but I have had everything to gain by Christ Jesus. And as Paul says, this is Paul's answer, nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. Has that, has that been you? To where you've come to the place where you're clinging to nothing else but to the cross of Jesus Christ and His, his, salvation, his saving work and giving his life a ransom for many. And if we, if we have, we should be boasting in it. Boast in Christ Jesus. They, they, they glory in the cross and his atonement for salvation. What did Paul, Paul proves this point in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know, to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What was Paul, what was Paul determining to know amongst people? Was he determined to know if, if they were what stock of the, of the children of Israel they were born? Absolutely not. He was determining to know, to know nothing else among them save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And he, he gloried in the cross. And some people have said, what, what do you think about the thief on the cross? He didn't really do anything. Well, the thief on the cross is a good example. I could see him going up into heaven. They said, why should we let you in? You weren't baptized. You know nothing of the Trinity. You know, you know none of these doctrines. And he said, why should we let you in? 
And he could say this, but although he couldn't say much, what could the man on the cross, the thief on the cross say? The man in the middle said I could come. And at the end of the day, I could say fancy words up here, but if you're not going by the man on the middle, you're not going at all. And that's not a comforting message to hear. But it's by Christ Jesus that we come. And there are many that would seek to come another way. And they think that it's gain to them. Oh, but I wish they would be as Paul, who he counted all things and he counted gain, he counted loss, that he might win Christ. All those things that he thought was, was, was building stones to getting him to heaven actually was dragging him to hell. That's, that would be the truth, truth be told. All of those things that we trust in, and you might have been guilty, and I, my, I, I believe I was guilty of the very same thing. There was a time where I thought, well, I'm a preacher. Well, I think, uh, well, I've, none of that counts for nothing concerning salvation. It's what your personal relationship with Jesus Christ has nothing to do with any other thing than what you've done with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved you and gave himself for you. Well, this morning we heard about that love, did we not? What a wonderful message, a motivator to help us to continue on. I, the thought came to my mind, the love that will not let me go. Oh, there's been times where I've tried to stray, but you know what, I, can, I can't ever get away from Him. I can try all that, I'm, that I want, I have. But it's a love that will not let me go. He gave His life for me and for you. And the least bit that, I, that we could do is to give what little bit we have back to Him. Although it might not be much to offer, He can take that little bit and use it wonderfully for His glory and for His honor if we'll let it. But in the chapter before, in Philippians chapter 2, what does it say in verse 21? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but it says this in chapter 2 in Philippians verse 21, For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. You, know, you want to know the problem with us today is? We are so busy seeking our own. Seeking after our own gain. Forget Paul for a moment. Before he, was out, before, he was, before he came to Christ, he was outside of Christ, and he was counting all those things but gain. But we as believers do the very same thing. We count all of these things that we get gain. But what does it say? What shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's what we're talking about this evening. You, I don't care what you have. If you do not have Christ, you have nothing at all. Nothing at all. Oh, and I would, I would ask that you would consider Jesus Christ. Consider what He's done. Oh, that you, in this chapter it says that you might be found in Him. But, he, but we, 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 we combat these beware of these dogs by glorying in Christ Jesus. If we'll glory in Him and what He's done for us, it'll keep us from trusting in the flesh. And then the, the third thing here, it says that Paul had no confidence in his flesh. Paul understood something, that in him dwelled no, dwelleth no good thing. That's what Paul, Paul knew. And we, sometimes we think that we, we tend to think that we have some talent that we can use for the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to Christ as a bankrupt. We come to Jesus Christ as a beggar with nothing to offer Him and everything to gain. But, he, but Paul said he had no boast in the flesh. Though if any man had, had reason to boast, he said it is I. In verse 4, it says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I 
more. Paul said, if there was anyone who was worthy to trust in the flesh, it was I. And he lists seven things here. We're going to look very briefly at these seven things and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. But here, you know how we combat these people that try to creep in unawares and try and tear at the, at the try to be as such as tares amongst the wheat? We glory in Christ Jesus. Have you gloried in, the, in, in Christ lately? Just thanked Him and, 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 and worshipped Him and Him alone and nothing else. Or if we'll worship Him, it'll push all of those other things aside. And in context here, he's merely referring to his human advantages that he had, that he thought he had. These attainments that he had gotten, being born in a certain family, being of the stock of Israel, his, his circumcision on the eighth day, all of these things of the tribe of Benjamin. Let us just read it here. It says in verse 5, he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. You know what that would have just meant? He wouldn't have got up out of the crib and walked and got, gotten circumcised. Well, you know what that really would have meant for Paul? As he had, he had good godly parents. Now, I don't know how many of you have had godly parents, but I know that I had godly parents that took me to church. I don't, there could be some of you out here that, that grew up in church. Praise God for it. Don't, don't, wouldn't you say, thank, thank the Lord for, godly, for a godly heritage. The fact that he was circumcised the eighth day had nothing to do with Paul. Had everything to do with his parents and the family that he was born in. See, he wouldn't have walked and gotten circumcised. His parents would have brought him. Can I say this? There are some who are trusting in the family they've been born into, saying, I could never come to Christ because that's not the way that my grandfather came. Uh, he and, he was, and he was one of the most moral, best people you could have ever known. And if he's not getting into heaven, then I don't know who is. I would say to that man or that woman, it's not about the family that you've been born into. It's if you've been born into the family of God through Christ Jesus and Him alone. Oh, there are so many people that put stock in things. Paul, all these things were... He was adding these as credits to his account. As a merchant would, I think of Ebenezer Scrooge counting his, counting his ledger. And he's adding all of the coins. And he's, oh, he's so excited about all of these gains that he had. That's Paul. That's Paul in this passage. He's all these things that I counted gain, I count but lost now. He's had a revolution. He's met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And it's changed his entire life. Those ones that, that, that he would martyr, that he would persecute the church of Christ. That was one of the seven things. He persecuted the church of Christ. because he, he, Many would just proselytize against him, would just speak out against the, the true followers of Christ. But you know what Paul did? He took it a step further. He sought to kill Christians. He sought to take them and wipe them out, to send their men and their women into prison. And, and, and he did terrible things to the church of God. And he said, you might have proselytized against them, but I more. I have persecuted them even unto death. Paul, he, he said, if there's anyone that is... And, he, and he, he added that as a good thing. That was one of the things that he was, he was saying was one of the, the checks on his box. Terrible thing, is it not? But there are still many people that do the same thing in other ways. But if we look at these seven things very, very briefly, he was circumcised the eighth day, and he, uh, that, you know, the Lord Jesus was circumcised the eighth day, and he, he was, he was the, Paul was saying he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and he, he was saying that he has followed in every letter of the law. And notice other things that he was saying here. He said that he was born of the stock of Israel. 
This is very similar to the first one. He was circumcised the eighth day. He had godly parents. But this actually means of the stock of Israel, he was brought up in it. He was brought up as a Jew of the Jews. If there would be anyone that would be part of, of, of people, the special remnant of God's people that, that, that would receive some sort of grace from God, it would have been Paul, because he would have been of the lineage of Abraham, of Jacob, and of Isaac. He would have been the Jew of the Jews, the stock of Israel. And he would have been born up in it. He would have been raised in it. You know, it doesn't matter what you've been raised in. I don't care this, this evening if you've been raised in the hills of West Virginia as I, or if you've been raised in, in, in England. It does not matter what family you've been born to. And they can avail for nothing for you. Paul's parents, he actually had to go against all these things of the law that they held so dear. He had, you know, there are many people that won't come to Christ because of their family. Is it not true? There are many people They'll say, well, I just don't know if that... How can that be true? If that be true, then all of my other... Fit, well, what's, what's going to happen? That is something, a stumbling block that's put in place. The, we're talking about in this passage things that stand in the way of people coming to Jesus Christ. Here, Paul had many things that stood in his way. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was born of the stock of Israel. Thirdly, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. That would have been the most elite and, it, and the highest, like, like the aristarchy of the class of the Jews. The, the, you know, can I say this as well? It doesn't matter if you're the upper class, the middle class, or the lower class. It doesn't matter at one little bit. It just matters if, if, if you're willing to come to Christ and, and to be found in Him. Paul, he says, all these things I was counting as gain. The people that are especially privileged as tribe of Benjamin, they, they, they were the place in honor in battle. And did you know that the first king of, of Judah was named, of the first king of Israel rather, was named after the tribe of Benjamin. Who would have that been? King Saul. And who, who had a name before he was named Paul? Named Saul. I even believe that Saul might have been named after, after this lineage of the tribe of Benjamin after King Saul. He could have been. And he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Makes no difference, Paul. Makes no difference. And whatever you're holding to this evening, it makes no difference. I say that with full assurance. He says, Hebrew of the Hebrews, he was top-notch. That means his parents both would have been, been Hebrews. They would have both been of, this, of the perfect lineage. And then they've, they've, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Then he was born of, his, born of his parents. And he would have been the Jew, as it were, or the Jew of the Jews. The purest in lineage. And that account, that availeth for nothing. That accounts for nothing. And... Uh, he says this, that he was a Pharisee. The, he was the best in, in Israel, the, the religious party. He says this in verse 5, as touching the law of Pharisee. They was, the, the Pharisees were the best at keeping the law. They, would, they, would, they were the best at memorizing Scripture and knowing the, all points of the law. He says, as touching the law, I, I was a Pharisee. And here he goes, checks another box. And then it says this, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He said, I, I persecuted the church more than any other. I, even unto death. And as, then he says, as touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I've kept the law at all points. He didn't say he was perfect, but that simply just means that he had brought the proper sin offering in keeping, the, in keeping this law, and he was found blameless. All of these things Paul counted as gain. 
These were on his ledger. He, he was counting them and he said, look how much. If, you, if anyone had, had a reason to boast in the flesh, it was I. That's what he said. And if anyone had, had, had something to boast in, it was me. Because I, I could see these people of the concision saying, well, Paul, you didn't really stick around with us long. Now you've joined them. You used to, you used to kill those men and those women that follow off those Jesus followers. And now you're one of them. He's saying, oh, you didn't really stick around with us long. So what really do you have to boast? And he goes through the list. And it's quite a long list, is it not? But it, it, all of these things availeth for nothing concerning Paul's salvation. And he realized that. And he says this is his theological explanation of it. When he comes to Christ, it happens in a moment on the Damascus Road. Does it not? Does it not happen in a moment? Salvation is instantaneous. But it, it stays with you. If you have no desire to follow after Christ, then I would be very so, strongly worried. I don't know if, 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 if you have no desire to follow Him. Works do not save you, but it definitely is a revealer. Are you here this evening and you have absolutely no desire to follow Christ? That could be a, a, a revealer of where you stand. And, uh, and here it says, it says this in, in verse 9. Here's his theological explanation that's what's happened to him. He says this, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and this, here it is, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know what he ends up saying? He says, I, I wanted to know one thing, that I, would, if, that I would be found in Christ. And that I might be found the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And then he says, my Lord. Is he your Lord? Paul said, he, just the knowledge to know that he's my Lord is enough. Oh, that I, that I might be found in him is so wonderful to me. Just that, that, that knowledge itself is enough. Oh, that's all he desired to know. And he counted everything else that he was striving for. He, he flushed it down the drain. He counted it but dung. All his religion. There are some people that need to flush their religion down the drain. They're trusting in things that cannot save. They're trusting in dead rituals and ceremonies such as these Judaizers of the, of the circumcision. They trusted in that as one of the main things that would especially prepare them to, to have salvation. Oh, the only, thing that can, the only class of people that we need to be found in is sinner. We don't need to be found in the tribe of Benjamin. You don't need to be found in this tribe, in that tribe, and of the stock of Israel, and circumcised. You don't, not, none of that. We need to be found in Christ Jesus and in Him alone. All these things, you could be here this evening, you say, well, I don't trust the same things Paul did, but there's something that you could be trusting in. Leave it be. Let it go that you might win Christ. Paul had to get to this place where he let it all go that he might know one thing that he was found in Christ Jesus. Do you know this one thing? Oh, you could know so many things in this world, but if you don't know Christ Jesus and that you're in Him, then you know nothing at all. And that, that the greatest joy you know nothing of. This joy of being found in, in Christ Jesus. 
John Bunyan, the old Baptist, said it this way. He was walking through the fields late at night and he, he arrested his attention on this verse that we just read. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He was looking at his own righteousness, but he said this that night when he was walking through that court. He said, when I came to Christ, I didn't just see myself as a sinner. I saw myself as sin itself. I was sin. I, I was sin. And when I came to Him, I saw that I had nothing and He had everything. This is the verse that came to Him. John Bunyan saw when he came to Christ and that he said he didn't know how he was going to be able to stand before God one day. And as he was walking through that cornfield at night, he couldn't get out of his mind that this image of him standing before Christ. He couldn't get it out of his mind. And he was worried and fretting over this. And he said, I just, I, I can't not, I, I cannot get around this. But then that verse came to his mind, heart and mind. And be found in him, not having mine own rights. See, he had just, he'd mocked the Sabbath his whole life as a young boy. And then when he had come, started going to church and he tried, kept trying to keep the Sabbath. Trying to go to church. You know, going to church doesn't save anyone. Being added to the, uh, joining a certain specific church group or group of people, it avails for nothing. Only sinner. John Bunyan saw himself as a sinner. He did. He saw himself as sin itself and that he had nothing to bring, and he, and, and, but that Christ had everything to give him. Have you come by that way? Well, you've come to, to Christ Jesus and you realize you had nothing. Had absolutely nothing, but, but he had everything to offer you. That's the only way. We don't come to Christ with anything but a bank, but bankruptcy. Everything that it was gain, he counted but loss. Tonight, I'll ask this question. What are you counting gain that you need to count but loss that you might be found in Christ? Is there something? Is there something that's keeping you from Christ? And then I'll just give this word of admonition he gave up his claim to all his righteousness, Paul did. When you come to God, you come as a bankrupt. You have nothing to offer him. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You, can't, you definitely can't steal it. Climbing up a different way to get into the window. You can't steal salvation. You can't, you can't buy salvation. The eternal, the, the, an eternal soul saving is precious in God's sight. And no money could, 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 could buy that soul, but the blood of Jesus Christ availeth for it. No money could buy that soul, but I know, I know one that could. I know one who's bought that soul. The, Jesus Christ has paid it all. All to Him we owe. He has paid it. We don't need to pay it. He has paid it. Come to Him. He will in no wise cast you out. I promise you that. That's a promise. You say, how do you promise that? Because He promised it. He said, how do you stand so sure on that promise? Because that's the promise of Christ Jesus. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Praise God for that promise. I'm th you know what I'm thankful tonight? For the promises to the believer. Because the, here it is. There is absolutely no promise to, to an unbelieving person. If you sit here this evening and you're unbelieving, there's no promise for you. But if you will come to Christ believing in Him, you can have all the riches of, of, of His grace in Christ Jesus. It's promised in Christ. You say, I don't know where to go and to find it. In Christ, look to Him. That's where you find it and nowhere else. And here in verse 10, you stand before God in Christ, not in yourself. 
We stand before God in, in the righteousness that is found in Christ Jesus. In verse 9, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. Paul, he was not found having his own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know what, uh, what righteousness we need is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He, he was, he was he, nailed to a cross. He was buried. He rose again for our justification. For His righteousness, being found clothed in His righteousness, washes us white as snow. That His, his blood washes us white as snow. The righteousness of, that clothing of the righteousness of Christ is what we need, is what you and I both need. When I was a 14-year-old boy, I found that righteousness. When I was a 20-year-old, well, 21-year-old man, I realized I needed it more than ever. And I came back to Christ. I had gone astray in, in certain things. And I realized that I was in Him, that I had looked to Christ. Because our salvation is not kept by us. What does it say? We're kept by the power of God unto salvation. You say, I don't know how to keep it. You can't. But He can keep you. Have you looked to Him and know that you're... If you are, you'll never, you'll never forget it. You'll know it. And there are those under the sound of my voice that they might not know it. But I urge you, you can be found in Him. And it says here in verse 10, just an admonishment to the believer, and then we'll close, that I may know Him. You know the wonderful thing about Paul's, this, trend, this great trend conversion, this, this revolution that happened in Paul's life, and that's happened in my life and in others in this building, is that everything that was once, everything that you thought was gain was loss. And now, everything that was lost is gain. Everything he was trying to cut off. Those, that, that's who he wanted to follow. That's who he wanted to, to be. That was gain to him to be in Christ and to speak a word for him. You know, whenever you're found in Christ, you'll want to know him. It's a, it's not, it's a present purpose. Yes, salvation happens in a moment when you trust and believe in him. Repent of your sin and by faith have a change of mind about your sin and of who you are, and that you're in need of a, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. But this transaction gives us a purpose, does it not? Salvation is instantaneous, but it sticks with you. You never get away from it. You've been changed, and you can't help but be different. Although you might try, you can't help but be different because you've been changed. And you have a different desire, a different purpose. You know, a faith that moves you under the law this man was willing to go to Damascus and do what? Under the law, Paul was willing to go to Damascus and to persecute the church of God and to try and stamp it out and to kill Christians. That's under the law. Under the faith-based system, what's Paul willing to do? This should be an encouragement to us. You know what he's willing to do? He's willing to go to the ends of the earth. Under the grace that is by faith, Paul isn't just willing to go to the little old Damascus he travels the world. He desires to go to Macedonia. He goes to Philippi. He goes to Ephesus. He goes all over. That is a, is a change that, that, that the law can't bring. I was on the streets this week and a man said to me, he said, I've been saved by the Torah. Saved by the law. No, sir, you are condemned by the law. Whosoever believeth not is condemned already, but whosoever believeth is saved. Oh, that we might... What does it say? For God so little that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. By Jesus Christ, we are not condemned, friend. We are saved. If you look, if you hear the name of Jesus and you cringe, then you don't know the same Savior that I know. 
Because at the name of Jesus, I'm made, I'm, I'm made alive. I've been, I've been given new life in Christ. Paul is saying that here. He says that I may know all I want, all I desire now is that I may know Him. That I may know and follow after Him. That's all I do. Is that all that you desire? Have you been changed to the point that that is all you want to live for is Him? And in verse 11, it says that in the fellowship, the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means, though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended, for Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I just want to give this at the end. I know I've preached long, but I've, I've, been, I've been so encouraged by this passage. And at the end of this, there's a couple of verses. Paul, Paul basically is saying that he had not apprehended. Paul was saying he hadn't arrived. If there be a believer underneath the sound of my voice that has arrived, then I say that you're sorely mistaken. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said he hadn't arrived. Oh, we'll never arrive till we meet Jesus face to face. But you know what he was doing? He, admit, he admitted that he hadn't arrived, but that he was wanting to follow after. He says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have a, you have a calling, you have, you have a purpose. Uh, and it's a high calling, it's a high purpose. It's to live for Him. To press toward the mark. You know, there's a prize for the believer. Keep pressing on. I press toward the mark. He, he, he gives us the picture as a runner putting on his shoes and he's running. And he's leaning forth as he's running. He, he's going after it. Oh, as Christians, we ought to be going after it. If you've been changed, you've been changed to give your life for whatever you can for Christ. Paul, it consumed his his present thinking so much. He said that this is all I want to do is, is, I, is press toward reaching forth unto those things which are before. You know, if you're here tonight and you've, you've fallen, you've, you've messed up. You say, I, I, I know I've come to Christ and I've messed up. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Press toward the mark. Keep going. Get back up. Dust yourself off. And get back in the race. Because there is, there is a place for you in the race if you're in Christ. That, and you say, how do you know that? In verse, in verse uh, 13, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In, there is a high calling of God. There is a mark to, to strive for. You say, what is this really giving us to admonish us? It's admonishing us Toward sanctification. Do you, need a, do you need a motivator to live for Him? Here's the motivator. Press toward the mark. You, you, say, you say, I just don't really have a desire. The desire is, if you're in Christ, you're found in Him, then you'll have a desire to press toward that mark. You'll have a desire to, to follow after for the one who died for you, gave His life for you, and... You'll des- uh, this is a faith that produces work. You know, James said this, and I'm through. James said, show me your works by your faith. Did he not? He said, your faith that will produce... If you have a faith in Christ, it will produce something. If you truly have a grounded faith in Jesus Christ, and you've been changed, your faith will produce something. It will produce in you a desire, a motivation to live for Him. And Paul, at the end of his life, was consumed with this one thing. 
that I would press toward this mark. Oh, he's given me such a, such a, that I just may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Have you ever known some of the fellowships of Christ's sufferings? What was it that he suffered for us? It was a terrible suffering. It's, to, to know his suffering is to know to be mocked. To be mocked and scorned and to, be, and, to, and to be misunderstood. The Lord Jesus Christ, if any man was misunderstood, it was him, was it not? All he meant was for man's good and salvation. And they plucked his beard out. All he meant was, was good towards, towards them, towards his enemies. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, towards his enemies. And they, what did they, they railed upon him. They said that he died for his own iniquities. In Isaiah 53, you've died for your own iniquities. Rather, the iniquities of us all were laid upon him. And he bore our sin, our shame. And, we, and, and the most heinous crime would to see this and to go, you know what, I'll just still reject him. Don't reject him today. Come to Christ. Count all things but, that were gained to you but loss that ye might win this one thing, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus our Lord, that He is your Lord. Oh, that you might win Christ. Paul, he had, all, he had a, quite a ledger going, quite a, quite a number, and he gave it all up because he realized that it was by faith in Christ alone that we are saved. And if you're here tonight and you don't know that, give it all up. It might be pleasure for a season, and it's not worth it. Oh, win Christ. And if you're here and you're a believer, let us press toward the mark. Once, one thing that was encouraging this morning from the message that it made me want to do is it made me want to continue going. That love for us makes us want to love for Him. And that's the love that drove Paul onward. He pressed toward the mark. There's a prize. Keep running. Looking unto Jesus, the author.